0: So in grad school, we learned so much about theory and diagnosis and, you know, what are the signs and symptoms for someone who has, you know, for example, like transcortical motor aphasia. It's very specific. But, you know, what we see here is that people are so individual and they have a mix of all types of things going on with their language and their speech and cognition. So that was one area that has changed for me as far as identifying what exactly is happening with someone in their language. And then, but how is that impacting their life actually? So we can say they have transcortical sensory aphasia. What does that really look like in their life? And how does that mix with other parts of aphasia, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. So it's not straightforward. And then also we learn so much about the impairment perspective. And we talk about this a lot, but treating people at the impairment level versus what you do Genevieve, the life participation approach. And we briefly learned about that in our grad program as we were going through treatment, but I've been able to see that, you know, expand on life participation and how to really treat people in a way that enhances their life as it is now, where they are now versus just at the impairment level. So can we versus, you know, can we get them speaking sentences with so many words, or can we get them ordering in a restaurant? You know, and what's what's the priority here?
1: Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. We're in this together. Do life. Good morning,
2: everybody. Genevieve Richardson from Life Speech Pathology, and welcome to the show today. Today, I will introduce you to my grad student that's been with me for the last eight weeks. Shaylee is going to come on and talk to us about aphasia. She was very motivated to work in a practice for her internship working with aphasia and adults and was interested in neuroplasticity. And her semester project with me was to come up with a way of providing value back to you in the stroke community. She's created a great handout that talks about how we can utilize the Apple iPhone health app. We'll let her explain a bit more of that but before we come into Shaylee, I just wanted to let you know that Life Aphasia Academy has released a brand new course. I'll show you what that looks like. It's called the Unlocking Aphasia Video Course. It is designed for people with aphasia as well as spouses, caregivers, family, and friends. The modules are videos set up and easy to listen to, bite-sized lessons to help empower you to understand your aphasia, doelifespeechpathology.com forward slash unlock aphasia. Without further ado, let us bring up Shaylee. Here we go. Welcome, Shaylee. Hello. It's not like I didn't just see you five minutes ago, but that's all good. So everybody, this is Shaylee Brink. Shaylee, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well,
0: I'm located in La Crescenta, California, and which has been so great with telepractice. It's been nice to work with Genevieve, even though she's a ways away and they're in Austin. But I'm in my last semester of graduate school. I, I graduate in August. And so this is my last internship. I've had five.
2: Wow. That's Awesome
0: something like that. And so, yeah, this is my last one. And also my first one working with adults with aphasia. So it's been a really good experience.
2: Yeah. I loved when we met the first time and you were just so jazzed about neuroplasticity and the brain and language and, and working with folks that already have a lifetime story to share. Yeah, that's been really
0: interesting to see. It's, you know, the motivation varies depending on the age that you're at and the life that you've had. And so not that children are not motivated, they oftentimes are, but someone who's had their whole life derailed by a stroke and their life has changed. They're so motivated in therapy and excited to get back to a level that is functional for them where they can live their lives. And that's been really fun to work with these individuals because of that.
2: Nate. So let's dig into a little bit about what you've learned in this internship and spending these eight weeks with a with a great variety of clients. What, compare and contrast for us: what did you think of phasia was based on you know what you were trained in, and then what you experienced?
0: Yeah. So in grad school, we learned so much about theory and diagnosis and. You know, what are the signs and symptoms for someone who has, you know, for example, like transcortical motor aphasia. It's very specific. But, you know, what we see here is that people are so individual and they have a mix of all types of things going on with their language and their speech and cognition. So that was one area that has changed for me as far as identifying what exactly is happening with someone in their language. And then but. How is that impacting their life, actually? So we can say they have transcortical sensory aphasia. What does that really look like in their life? And how does that mix with other parts of aphasia, if that makes sense? So it's not straightforward. And then also we learn so much about the impairment perspective. And we talk about this a lot, but treating people at the impairment level versus what you do, Genevieve, the life participation approach and we briefly learned about that in our grad program as we were going through treatment but i've been able to see that you know expand on life participation and how to really treat people in a way that enhances their life as it is now where they are now versus just at the impairment level. So can we, versus, you know, can we get them speaking sentences with so many words or can we get them ordering in a restaurant, you know,
2: in what's, what's the priority here. And that that's part of the reason I love the life participation approach so much, because we can still work at the impairment level, but we can also work on strategies and empowering our folks that we work with who have emphasia, so that they can go to Starbucks and order their favorite coffee drink, or be able to pivot at a at a restaurant when an ingredient is out and they have to pick a different meal than what they had planned. I mean, we this is a very specific example that Shaylee and I've worked with one of our clients on. And that's what's so great about the life participation approach. Mm-hmm. We can do both, we can do it all. It just depends on what is the priority for that person. But in grad school, you have to learn treatment at the impairment level because that's the foundation of what we do. But building on those skills of being able to expand somebody's talking or their reading, their writing, their listening, whatever it is, then we can go to the life participation approach.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, what, learning about, go ahead. it's learning about people at the impairment level, but also I've noticed about their lives and who they are too. And that's something I've really liked about this population is that's part of therapy is getting to know the people and what their priorities are and you know their children's names. And can we get them to be able to communicate with the people in their
2: life that they, they love? And so that's really been neat for me to see. So let's pivot slightly and talk about telepractice because hopefully the audience knows by now I'm 100, well, I'll call it 99% telepractice. You know, there's never 100% anything in life, but 99% telepractice. What did you think telepractice was going to be like and what was it in reality and how do clients respond to it? I think I, I had a
0: little bit I, of an idea with telepractice just because of the nature of the world right now and a lot of things have gone that direction. But comparing it to my other experiences, I would say telepractice offers us a lot of, you know, opportunities for treatment ideas, but then also, you know, it can be limiting in some ways too. So navigating navigating that component of teletherapy, I would say it offers us more just because we're able to pull up anything on the internet. So like where if someone's talking about a specific restaurant that they like to go to, we are able to pull it up right away or, you know, look at where they are on the map. Like that kind of stuff isn't always accessible to us in a treatment room or in person therapy. So in that way, that was really cool to see. There's obviously the technical issues that happen every now and again, but I think that's part of problem solving, which a lot of people in our population can benefit from is learning how to problem solve and technology is an important part of our lives right now. And to be able to understand that is also helpful. So yeah. Yeah. I liked the
2: teletherapy modality. So who do you think is the someone who would be the right fit for telepractice?
0: I think anyone who has basic skills with technology But also the capacity to be able to learn those skills too. So they don't have to be great with technology as long as they're able to adopt those skills, Mm -hmm. I would say. And then anyone, I mean, I think it's great because it helps people be very consistent. So If you struggle to be consistent with appointments, which it is hard, there's a lot of appointments and the people we see have a lot of appointments. They're going to the doctors, they're going to OT, PT. And so teletherapy is really helpful in that way because you can just jump
2: online (laughs) when it's time. I think that's a really important point because even though our folks have to overcome the technology aspect... That's small compared to the amount of effort it takes to get out of the house and plan ahead and deal with traffic and getting into whether it's a freestanding clinic or to the hospital outpatient center. That's where telepractice can be a real benefit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But not everybody is a great fit for telepractice. If if you don't if you've never worked on a computer or you're just completely, your mind is set against it. It's not my job to overcome those those barriers to entry, but for those that have a laptop a computer and maybe they've done FaceTiming in the past or even Zoomed once or twice in the past and they're motivated to work, they're a good fit for telepractice. Mm-hmm. So I thought we would pivot a little bit again. Pivoting is fun. So Shaylee, let's just talk through what you discovered about this app. Okay. Yeah, so we were having
0: a lot of conversations about how our clients can keep track of things like their health, whatever their health concerns are. Part of that was medications and symptoms, that's just a lot to think about for anyone. And then our people with aphasia, that can be overwhelming. They have a lot of cognitive overload at this time trying to navigate their language and speech. And so the health app offers them a place to track that data. And so some of the categories that we thought would be really helpful were like medications, being able to track their medication, track when they've taken it so that they don't forget or symptoms. So if you're dealing with a lot of symptoms, it's hard to remember all of the symptoms that you've dealt with in a day. And so you're able there's a lot of symptom options like appetite changes all the way to you know memory lapses, being able to go in and track that can be really helpful. And then also vitals, heart, you know, blood pressure, all of these things a lot of people might have concomitant health concerns as they're going through aphasia. So being able to go in and track all of that information can be helpful as they go into these doctor's appointments or just keep track of their health going forward.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, It is just unbelievable how many different things you can actually track. So I'm adding a little bit of stuff into the chat for those of you who are watching live as well as catching the replay. The Apple iPhone health app can track it all. And the beauty of it, most of our clients, I would say, Shaley, I can't think of one of our clients that we see right now who doesn't have an iPhone. All of our clients have iPhones and they all use them to a different extent. But that iPhone is a walking computer. You can walk into your doctor's office. Think about the situation if you had multiple doctors. And instead of worrying about bringing papers with you that show all your current medicines, you can show from the app, and I believe you can even email it directly, you know, your list of medicines or symptoms, whatever the case may be, directly from there.
0: Yeah, you can share it. You can share it with your doctor. You can share it with a spouse or a a child or a parent. So that option too. other people can see, you know, help keep you accountable to, are you keeping track of your medications? Are you tracking your symptoms? You can even track like your nutrition. Yeah, We recommend not overdoing it. Like trying to track every part of life can be overwhelming, but just tracking those health areas that you are concerned with at this time can be really helpful.
2: That's a good point. I know when you and I were looking at the health app and all of the different systems that you can monitor, it's best to pick one, maybe two at the most, if it, depending on your technology comfort, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Figuring out what maybe are you struggling with? Are you struggling to take your medications? Okay, let's just focus on that right now. Getting your medi- medications plugged in—it's really easy to add data, and then the Apple iPhone is—it gives you all of this information within those categories about why you're tracking, what you're tracking, how to track. So even within the app itself, it's really educational. Mm-hmm.
2: So this is one of those projects that, if it feels overwhelming, you know, for any of you out there that are in speech therapy, you know, for aphasia and you wanna set up your health app, ask your clinician to help you do it, build that into your treatment program. Because we follow the life participation approach and work on impairment level strategies and techniques, we can easily incorporate that Apple iPhone into our treatment plan. We can write goals for it and work on carrying it over training your family, how to use it, all sorts of great ways. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I like how there's a mobility category and it tracks areas that you wouldn't even think of like walking asymmetry, step length. And I think about our clients with Parkinson's and their gait has changed and it's shifting and being able to track that and see how they're doing in that area too. Like the stuff you don't even think about on a databases, but it's tracking. So if you do have an Apple
2: watch, that's helpful too. For yes. Those things. Well, after we started talking about it, I'm like, oh, I gotta pull out my watch. Like I haven't charged it in like two weeks. <laughs> but now I'm back to counting my steps. So, you know, not to say that Apple is the only product out there. There's plenty of Android products available mm-hmm. that do, that have a similar function. Sure. Mm-hmm. So what? let's talk in general about resources for aphasia. What have you come across in our time together that you think people need to know about? So there's
0: different apps. We have a few people that use these apps. An example is the Spoken app. And it's a text-to-speech app where basically you can type in what you'd like to say or it has loaded phrases in words. It basically helps guide you to statements that you'd like to say if you are struggling to express verbally. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's a few apps like that, Spoken being one of them. Mm-hmm. We have a few people that use that, but that's helpful. I, I've had sessions with one individual where he's, until he's thinking and he has a word, it's in his head, but getting it out is a is he's struggling. And then he'll just pull out that Spoken app and he'll type it in or he'll begin to type it in and spoken will guess for him, and then he'll be able to tell me that way. So it helps alleviate frustration for people,
2: I think is really valuable. That could work really well for advocacy. Mm-hmm. And what I when I say advocacy, advocacy, I'm thinking of the person with aphasia that's out in the community, or even at a family barbecue. And if they can't if they're under pressure or it's too noisy and they can't pull their thoughts together, they could have preloaded phrases and sentences and they can get their phone to say it for them or point to it and the listener can read it. It's a way for them to still communicate because communication is about that give and take of the message. Sure. So, so spoken app, What else could we use, Shaylee? You know, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what else could our clients use as if they have an iPhone to help them advocate for themselves and what they need to communicate? So
0: they might not even need an iPhone for this, but we've talked a lot about that aphasia ID where they're able to go in, type up a little ID card that also lists different ways to communicate with them. So it might list, I think there's usually like four or five options that you can select, but it's out of quite a few. There's like, mm-hmm. like 10, 15 options. But may, it might say, please speak slower to me when you're when you're speaking to me. Give me time to respond. That kind of information that can ease up the frustration of conversation or awkwardness that someone with aphasia might feel when interacting with a listener who's new, a new communication partner. So they can just show them that card and then it'll help their communication be smooth in that way.
2: Yeah, I think that's great. Now for the audience that's listening, an aphasia communication card is a wonderful tool, but it's only a tool if you use it. And part of what we do in treatment is empower our clients when they encounter a difficulty with somebody that's a new communication partner that they actually practice pulling out that aphasia card or showing the same content on their phone whatever the case may be we often have to actually practice it to get what we in the speech world call generalization If you do it in therapy is one thing, doing it out in the community is something different. For sure. Yeah. So we have a question down here. I'll pop it up on the screen. Kevin is saying that he uses the notepad on his iPhone for regular situations like what he wants at hat creek that's a local hamburger place here in austin (laughs) then he shows it to the person who's taking the order yeah i think that's a wonderful kevin that's a great way of getting your order correct you know but if you're at a drive-through then what do you do what do you think, Shaylee? Let's put you on the spot again. So what if you're the person with aphasia and you're driving and you decide to go through the drive-through? Now, how do you use your phone? Yeah, I think that's when that
0: spoken app can be helpful. I'm sure you could make it loud enough or amplify, but you could put in your order that way and the phone will speak for you if you need, if you're having a hard time thinking of the words that you're looking for. I think it's so much of aphasia is learning how to be resourceful and i'm amazed by our clients and their resourcefulness like i'm just blown away by how they've figured out to communicate but we have people who will write something down on a paper and i think a lot of drive-thrus have they can see you i'm pretty sure and cool. so you can, yeah, can show that.
2: them that <laughs> like, that's here, here. here's my sign right yeah. Um, yeah and you bring up a good point that a lot of our clients have become very resourceful in a lot of different ways, and but that's not common. Our clients are a little bit different in that we've actively worked on these kinds of skills, but not every clinician trains these things. So that's why I'm I wanted to talk about resources and advocacy so that those of you listening that are in the aphasia community, if you are working with a clinician Ask for help with this. Let them know that this is something that's important to you. It's just a matter of practice. And it gives you the empowerment to live your life and participate how you want. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think you do a good job of that, Genevieve, too, because we encourage people to use those other modalities of communication It's not like we're just stuck to this one form of verbal communication. If they can figure out how to communicate in other ways and it helps them live their life and participate in activities, then that's great. We're going to help build upon those skills that are already there.
2: Yeah, I think it's great. We have one other comment here that I'll put up and I thought it was worth addressing. Mary appreciated the comment about how it's possible to learn technology for telepractice appointments. It is. It reiterates that aphasia doesn't mean a loss of intelligence and ability. Absolutely. What would you like to say about intelligence? We see it a lot on social media. Aphasia is not a loss of intelligence. Yeah, I think that's super important, important to point out
0: and remember, and although someone's language or speech has been impacted, they have all this ability and intelligence in a lot of times areas of expertise. Like we've, we've had people in sessions help us with their area, you know, HVAC system. Like we have a patient who knows so much about HVAC systems and it's, and yeah, it's like, there's no loss of intelligence there is he having a difficult time communicating and expressing it verbally? Yes, but the intelligence is all there and the ability is there. It's just figuring out how to communicate it in all of these different ways.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There is not a loss of an intellect. The person is still the person that they were. Their personality is still there. What they knew before they had a stroke or head injury is still there it's not gone our job one of our jobs is to help them to access that information Mm -hmm. i often think of the brain and words and memories as a very complex storage like a filing cabinet and then your two-year-old decided to refile You know, to get into that file cabinet and move the folders and the pages and, you know, some of them are on the floor, some are, you know, in a different room now. They still exist. It's still there. We just have to get back to them. We we have one more up here. Holly is saying that it's Sonic you sonic which is a fast food hamburger place here in austin i'm sure it's around the countryside you can push the button and let them know you need in-person help she said she uses the voice recording app on her iphone and has saved a recording that says it in her voice brilliant good job holly
0: that's awesome we like those aphasia friendly restaurants and (laughs)
2: menus, all of that. Definitely, definitely. All right, Shelly, well, we will wrap up for this session. And I just want to say thank you to you. It has been a great fun having you at the practice these last two months. And you do a great job with the clients. anything else you'd like to say? Well, thank you, you,
0: a lot. And thank you to all of the clients too, that have been patient with me and given
2: me grace when
0: I'm evaluating them and taking longer than probably what they're used to. But yeah, it's been a really
2: good experience. That's wonderful. All right, everybody, we will wrap it up for today with Shaylee a happy graduation in August. Woohoo! It's just around the corner <laughs> and we will see you all When am I going to see you all next week, next Thursday? Ooh, we have a special guest who's going to be talking to us about virtual connections, online aphasia support groups. That is going to be a great conversation. So I hope you will join us next week and we will see you
1: then. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.